Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, here to reschool us all in the things that really matter. I'm your host, founder of the Curiosity Club and certified life coach, Katri Barrett. Each episode, I speak to special guests asking the awkward and important questions so you don't have to. Each season, we focus on diving into a topic from our curious curriculum, self, mental health, sex, relationships, work, money, and a whole lot more. This is the podcast where we have the conversations needed to remove the shame, stigma, and feel less alone in the experiences that we all have in common. Are you curious? Pull up a chair and join us. Hello, hello. Welcome back to episode three of season three. Today, I'm really looking forward to sharing the incredibly insightful conversation that I had with our guest, registered nutritionist, Lanise Brothers. Lanise specializes in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. And she's also a yoga teacher and host of the Period Story podcast, which if you haven't listened to before, I suggest you check out immediately after you've listened to this episode. I don't know about you, but I feel as a society, we've made a lot of progress in recent years. However, there is still so much taboo, shame and many misconceptions that surround hormones and periods. I'll be honest, as a 31-year-old menstruating woman, there were a lot of things I learned in my conversation with Lanise for the first time that I never knew. For example, did you know the impact that your hormones have on your personality at different times? When during the month would be the best time to make decisions, for example, or do something new or to give a talk? Have you ever hid a tampon up your sleeve out of embarrassment or perhaps trying to save someone else's embarrassment? I know I have many times in the past. In our conversation, not only did Lenise and I talk about what we should have learned in school about our cycle hormones and how they affect things like our creativity, energy levels and personality, but also why your cycle shouldn't be centred around your period, how you can harness the positive effects of your cycle by understanding the different phases that Lenise refers to as seasons, and what we all can be doing as individuals to release period shame for future generations. We also explore the topic of contraception and how it needs to be more nuanced than it currently is, the conversations around it. I share my personal experience of feeling pressured and shamed about taking the hormonal pill after so many people now are opting to use things like tracking apps and things like that instead. Lanise also shares how she helps many women with hormonal issues ranging from PMS, PCOS, endometriosis, period issues, perimenopause, and a whole lot more. Whether you're a menstruator or not, the topics we talk about in this episode are vital for all of us to know, because the fact is that 50% of the population are, and as always, getting curious about the what, the why, and the how is the first step to creating any sort of positive change, to removing the stigma, increasing education, and reducing period inequality. I would love to hear from you after you've listened to the episode about what your biggest takeaways are. What didn't you know before? And if you did, how has that knowledge about your cycle helped you in your life? As always, please do leave a rating and review and send us a DM over on Instagram or TikTok where you can find us at the Curiosity Club underscore. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, Lenise. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show today. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you today. I think for me personally and collectively as a menstruating woman, I think in this last year, I have realized, I was thinking about this before we started talking, I was get, I was thinking as, as to, oh wow, I've learned more than I ever have in the last year about my hormones and about my cycle. And then I thought about that and I thought, actually, it's more that I've learned how much I don't know. <laughs> 
And I realised, and I was like, so I'm so excited. I think I've realised how much I don't know, how much I want to know about my hormones and how they influence everything. And for, as as a, as a menstruating woman, the impact that that has and the influence it has on on day to day life. So I'm so so excited to to dive into some of that with you today. And, and I know before we started speaking, I, I asked you what what your kind of biggest um, lessons that you wish you learned in school that you wish you learned in school were. Obviously, with the Curiosity Club, we're all about the life lessons that we didn't get taught in that period of our life and the first one that you um sent over was that you wish you'd learn what your menstrual cycle was and what happened during the four phases so let's start there can you tell us a little bit more about what you didn't learn and then what you what you wish that you had in terms of and what the four phases are yeah so I remember when I was so I, I'm Canadian. I've lived in the UK for almost 20 years now, but I grew up in Canada. And I remember we call, what you call PSH, me here, we called health. And in health class, we had sex ed. And it was literally like banana, condom on a banana. And then we got, I do remember something about tampons and pads and the different options. But it was all very like the teacher was embarrassed. We were embarrassed because the teacher was embarrassed. And then I just remember that being it. And in obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But thinking about it now, I just really wish that we had had someone who was just really forthright and just not just said everything straight down the line. So that we could have asked the questions that we needed to ask and who would have taught us, yeah, you know, that sex and menstruation are two different things. Sex, you can learn about sex and it doesn't have to do be completely associated with contraception and it doesn't have to be about how not to get pregnant, which is basically how I learned about all of this. And really it was only when I was trying to, get pregnant with my son that I started learning about um like even ovulation and when that was happening because everything was so centered around my period and then I was like oh I'm ovulating oh that's what it and it just sounds I sound crazy to me when I talk about it now given the work that I do um but I it's something that I hear so often you know I wish we were taught this in school like properly taught it mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm nodding along and sort of smiling as you say that was <laughs> such shared experiences and the fact that obviously my experience was going to school in the UK but the fact that in Canada it was the same and it, that that cringe experience and, and I think as you said that I've not thought of it like that but this how powerful that would have been to have the separation of sex and and like talking about periods and the fact of if it hadn't have been your kind of that that PE teacher I think it was our PE teachers that taught us this and if like that the cringe and the embarrassment and which therefore kind of shut down the learning I can't even remember what we were what was taught to us but I know similarly to what to what you were saying it was only and I feel embarrassed to say I think it may be last year it definitely within the two last two years and I think maybe not even as long ago as two years that find like the penny dropped in that like the, it was only when I started tracking my period that the ovulation kind of as you said the two three to three days I'm like oh and even realizing oh you, you the risk of getting pregnant outside of that time it's it, those three days it's not 
all of the time and it's uh, and I was like oh my god how did I not know this as a as a 30 year old woman yeah I mean it's it's when you think back now about how much you didn't know and how it would change it would have changed maybe your life to be dramatic or you know some aspect of your life to be more clued into what was going on to your body I think it's really harmful that you know this isn't more widely taught I know in the UK um, Scotland they are doing more menstrual health education like doing lessons specifically around menstruation and I think that's really powerful and obviously it needs to be more widely spread but I think what also needs to be done this doesn't this shouldn't be done by like the tampon manufacturer size I think something like body form or tam packs are involved with this some way this has to be completely neutral and so you can have a completely honest conversation about what the different options are but also what happens at every single phase and how it's really important um to understand and know that your body isn't out of control because that's what i hear so often oh my body's out of control my hormones are controlling you. And when you know more, when you know better, you can do better. Mm, absolutely. And I think that certainly looking back to that, like I think for a lot of us where it stems back from from school, where that may be the shame, the embarrassment, that like this is something that I don't want to talk about. It's uncomfortable to talk about it. But I think massively links back to to school. And I know in your your brilliant podcast, The Period Story, you, you talk to, um, the, the whole premise is talking to people about their period story and, and when they first got their period. And I was listening and reflecting. So I hadn't thought about that, for, for, thought about it. And I was like trying to remember. And I remember being so embarrassed and having the, ha, embarrassed to come and tell my mum. And, but now as an adult, I'm like, why was that it shouldn't have felt like that. I didn't need to. And it's sad that it, I remember being really anxious about it and, and so embarrassed when my mum started talking to me about it. And that is such a shame, I think. And I, and I, and and listening to the podcast, I think it's different. Everyone's stories, um, although very like unique and different, there's so many common threads and it, and so it's, and it, and it shows that there's, this is something that then as, as adults may, we're still, do you see in your clients, people still carrying this in, in, in different ways and, and it affecting? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of shame. It's, you know, the shame around, oh, what's happening to my body, the shame around the blood, shame around letting people know what's actually happening to them like one of the women I spoke to she hid her period from her parents for I think two years and she ended up just using like balled up tissue balled up toilet paper and when her mom finally found out she was like why didn't you tell me and she was like I was just ashamed and I was scared and this comes back to the conversation in well, not only in school, but at home where, you know, it's, it would be great if we had these conversations early and often. So, you know, if you're a mom and you have your period, don't hide it from your kids. You know, you know, when you're, when you have a child, it's really hard to go to the bathroom alone anyway because they will just burst in if you don't have a lock on the door. Um, and so they see things. And if 
it, that that is a starting point where you know oh yes I have my period these are tampons or this is my cup or these are my pads or whatever is being used so that it's not this thing that oh you sh- this isn't for you don't you don't look at this you know get out because that's where the shame starts where you get you your mom hides it and then you learn that it's something that's hidden something that isn't to be discussed and then when you get it yourself it's oh well this is what I learned it's something to be ashamed of and then that cycle persists and when we break that cycle and we have really honest conversations even you know when you think about when you're in like the workplace um you it's so common you take your tampon if you use tampons and you hide it up your sleeve and it's just like that's crazy that you know we even do that like why hide I yes I have my period you know it's not a big deal 50% of the population will have it for at least 40 years you know it and I say this I say this in such a matter-of-fact way however it's taken me a long time to get to this point. I can talk, have these conversations and be really matter of fact because this is what I do, but I get that a lot of people, this is a journey, but that journey starts slowly and start from where you're at and just really know that removing the shame will make such a difference for you for your ability to talk about your period, but also if you have problems with your period, to be able to have proactive conversations about whatever is happening to you. Mm, I absolutely, and I suppose that's almost as as individuals kind of learning to acknowledge the shame around it and doing little things like not like hiding it your tampons or in everyday moments for ourselves for younger menstruating um people and also for other uh, everyone else our peers but also the next sort of the the generations below us to try and normalize it something that as you said 50 percent it's so normal (laughs) yet yet it's one of those things I think acknowledging that like we it's important that as individuals we're kind of practicing and, and, and acknowledging that because I think that's what overall collectively will kind of begin begin Mm. to change it in terms of then the the menstrual cycle and those four phases that you mentioned what is it that that because I know you're an expert in this what is it that that you wish that we'd learn and what do we need to know what's important so what I wish we learned was firstly that there are four phases so and I think what's really interesting is and I've been speaking about it more using this analogy of the seasons recently because I find it's easier for people to connect with because it then creates this kind of visual image in their mind. So we start off when we were menstruating, the menstrual phase, that's the kind of winter of our menstrual cycle. And so we have our period anywhere between three to seven days long. And this is where our body, we have a sense of turning in. Um, our bodies want us to slow down. We're shedding the lining of our uterus, which has taken however many days to build up, which I think, if you actually think about it, is pretty incredible in of itself. And it's an opportunity for us to slow down, 
but also turn in and reevaluate. So it's a time where our, if you want to kind of have a look at what's going on in your life and be reflect, this is a great time to do that. And it all, when you slow down and prepare and um, really let yourself rest, it sets you up really well for the next three phases of your cycle. So then you finish your period and you go into what we call the spring of the menstrual cycle. So this is the follicular phase. And this is where, if you think about spring, this is where things, flowers are starting to bloom. Everything is starting to kind of come to life again. And you can feel that in your body. Estrogen is starting to rise. Testosterone is rising. Um, you know, your your body is getting you ready to for ovulation. So you feel that also in your outlook in the world. So you might feel more confident. You might feel like your communication is better, that you feel more creative because this is where, again, it's ideas coming to life and this sense of newness. So if you wanted to start something new, this would be a fantastic time to do this. And then this is all setting you up for ovulation, which is really the center of our menstrual cycle. It's literally the literal center, but I love it when my clients, they shift away from looking at their period as the center of their cycle to then looking at ovulation as the center of the cycle, because this is where we, all things going well, this is when we feel our best. We ovulate, we release that mature egg, and we also release progesterone, which is our calming hormone. And we want, we, we want this to happen because it kind of balances that kind of heady energy that happens in the spring of the menstrual cycle to uh, a calmer, more balanced energy in the summer and then kind of the early autumn of our menstrual cycle. So this is a time where it's still, you still have really high communicate, well, really good communication skills. It's easier to articulate your thoughts. Um, You still want to do new things, but then after you ovulate, that progesterone, it starts to kind of tamp down that peak of energy. And so you have a second piece of, of estrogen but it's tamped down by by progesterone. So you do feel calmer and more settled in yourself. And then what happens is that if you don't fertilize that mature egg, that cycle, your estrogen and your progesterone will start to gradually decline. And this leads us into the autumn of our menstrual cycle. And I do like to split this into two parts. So early autumn is where energy is still high, as I mentioned, but it's a more kind of dampened control energy. So it's really about you're you're getting more in the mindset of getting getting things done. You want to get through your to-do list. It's more you're more into the mindset of things that are already happening. What am I already doing rather getting into something new and then in the late luteal phase this is and again I just say this prefaces with this 
this is not inevitable. So this is where some people might experience premenstrual symptoms like bloating, pain, anxiety, depression, cravings, headaches. Um, but these, this isn't inevitable. And I think just going to some of the cultural messages that we've learned, that we've learned that this is inevitable. You know, I'm supposed to feel like this before I get my period. Um, and that's just part and parcel of having a menstrual cycle. And I really reject that. And I say that that is not inevitable. Sure, surely you're going to feel a drop in energy and you're not going to be as kind of effervescent as you are in the summer of your menstrual cycle around ovulation. However, it's not a given that you're going to, you know, want all the chocolate and just be this kind of raging B-I-T-C-H. I don't know if you're allowed swearing on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) And and so um, I kind of really reject that cultural programming, but know that in that late luteal phase, there will be a sense of energy dropping, wanting to really get things done, get, you know, you think of the autumn of your menstrual cycle, your, everything is starting, the leaves are starting to fall. It's just this readiness, getting ready for winter. You think of bears getting ready to hibernate. They're kind of gathering all of the things together. That's the same sort of analogy that I like to talk about with regards to the late luteal phase. You're getting through your to-do list, you know, conserving energy, but knowing that there are certain things that you need to get done. So that's in a nutshell, the four phases of the menstrual cycle. And that's what I would wish I would have learned in school. And I'm sure there are other analogies that can be used, but I love the analogy of the seasons because it's just a connection is just immediate mm-hmm. I, I totally totally agree and I'm seeing more and more people use it it's something that I've, I've seen and I, I've kind of wanted to learn more about and then I knew I was going to be talking to you and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. save it and learn more and also I find I think using the analogy of the seasons makes it easier to talk about almost and and using that and I think that's really really brilliant in terms of beginning to change the narrative around it and what you said about um um shifting the focus towards the center point of of the of your cycle to be the around ovulation I think is really really interesting and 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 that in itself will completely shift the mindset And, and you also mentioned how I think we're so it's so ingrained in us these cultural like the messaging and the belief systems around I think the only things we, we you know that are given is like you're going to have cravings and you're going to be moody and get that like PMT or PMS and that other than that but there's so much more to it and I what's fascinating from what you've said and I think for everyone listening or if, if you know about more about this already and if you don't is that how it's how much our cycle influences our personality, our energy, our whether we're creative, whether how we can like give a presentation, whether we kind of are going to be like feel more connected into that. And once I th- and, and what I find fascinating, the more you can learn about that, it how you could work with that and understand that on days when you're not feeling, um, 
or maybe you don't perform as much as the best as you thought, or maybe you won't feel you've got to feel it in that autumn phase, you're feeling like you want to go inward instead of beating yourself up about it, thinking, Oh, I'm being lazy or I'm, oh, I should have done that better, or I, I should be up for doing this, realizing, No, it's because I'm in this season. And, and, and I, and I, I imagine, and I know for myself, as I'm learning little bits of it, being more, um, like accepting and forgiving and kinder to myself. Yeah, I think that you've said it exactly right there, being kinder to yourself and giving yourself a little bit of grace. So we, knowing that we are operating in this cycle and it can be anywhere from like 23 days to 35 days. And then that's another myth that we learn in school that everyone should have a 28-day menstrual cycle. And it's completely false. Like you could have, a cycle that is one cycle is 28 days and the next cycle is 30 days. And it's completely fine because lots of things affect our menstrual cycle, like the amount of sleep we get, what we eat, how much stress we're under, how much exercise we do, this kind of medications that we're on, all of that will have an effect on our menstrual cycle because it's one of our vital signs. And so knowing all of that and knowing that where you're at uh, will have a massive impact on w- how hard you are on yourself and how much you how much you push yourself because we operate in this kind of, generally speaking, this 24-hour cycle, which is a very masculine way of looking at things because the masculine, the testosterone cycle is 24 hours. So, you know, men generally speaking they have they have the highest testosterone in the morning and then it gradually declines during the uh, towards the end of the day so if you have a male boss the best time to ask him for a raise is actually towards the end of the day I, I mean that is a good that is a good tip and, and it's so interesting I think the difference like men and the um uh, male hormones and female hormones are so different and, and and acknowledging in simply that the cycle for for male hormones is 24 hours and the difference in that and I think again when you can understand that it tra- it tran- can transform again compassion to other people compassion towards yourself and or, or knowing and understanding so many things I and, and that leads us on nicely I think to your net to the next thing you wish you learned was was more about your hormones and and I think we're unpacking that box already and it's it's a fascinating one when you've mentioned quite you've mentioned um kind of how estrogen and, and things like that influence the the female cycle but what or the menstruation cycle but what else what else is it that you think that was missing from our education that's that's fundamental yeah so I mean thinking about those all of those so estrogen progesterone um and then you know the hormones that affect ovulation so fsh lh the fact that you know women do have some testosterone in our bodies but also the effect of other other hormones and the you know like the thyroid hormones melatonin um the different hormones associated with hunger and then leading up to this idea that our hormones, they don't control us. They are responsible for our bodily functions, but they don't control us because it just leads to this programming that, oh, I'm out of control. My hormones are just, you know, I'm out of control. And I, it kind of, I I really don't like that because it just makes it this, 
really, really negative thing. And then if we connect that to birth control and then really having an honest conversation about certainly with hormonal contraception, the effect of these synthetic hormones on our bodies. And, you know, there's a woman who, who's, who's coming on my, who's come on my podcast and which the episode is going to be out today, who was on hormonal contraception for 10 years, but she did back to back. So she didn't have even a pharmaceutical bleed for 10 years. And the honest conversation that needed to be had about the effect of that on her future fertility. And, you know, she talks about this in the podcast, but she, it took her a while to get her period back. She's been trying to get pregnant for a year now and she's still not pregnant. And we don't have, I'm not against birth control at all. I think that for some people, it, it can be really revolutionary and it can open up a lot of opportunities for them. However, I'm very much for informed conversation. So if you are going to take hormonal contraception, know that you, the progesterone that is in these, is in the marina coil or is in the progesterone only pill is not the same as the progesterone that you produce when you ovulate. And, you know, it's a conversation that I'm having constantly where they don't, people don't understand the difference and they don't understand that the common progesterone that you produce after ovulation is, has a very different effect to the progestogen that is in synthetic, is in hormonal contraception. And so we can then have a different understanding of what is what's happening to our body. So that's a conversation that I would have loved to have in school. It's a very nuanced conversation um, because, you know, there's a lot, when you talk about hormonal contraception, you are also talking about feminism and, you know, rights for women. And it's all wrapped into this conversation of, well, birth control has enabled me to work and not get pregnant and then you also have, it's wrapped in this conversation of, well, my doctor gave me birth control because they said it would be, it would enable me to control my endometriosis or my PCOS, which is not, it may control it, but it's just a bandaid. It actually doesn't address the, what's driving the symptoms of those conditions, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I think the main thing is, understanding hormones, having that nuanced conversation about birth control so that we can then have a really honest conversation about what is happening to us. Mm. And I'm so, so pleased that you brought that, that, that sort of came up around hormonal contraception, because I think it's something I, with this conversation, I was really keen to talk about because as a someone, and I relate massively to the women you said that you, you've had on the podcast, your guest, because I was, uh, until only a year ago, I was on, on the hormonal pill for nearly on and off there was maybe the odd year or two break but like 15 years and as I begin to I was going to turn 30 and 
Um, I and I, I, hearing all these other conversations now beginning to happen, and I think what's important is that I, I, to to know and I, because I, if anyone's listening who feels the same, to acknowledge that I began to feel a lot of shame for taking the pill and feeling like oh even though I always for me it was brilliant I was putting it at age 15 because I had cysts on my ovaries so that was what I was put on it did help with that they went away uh never came back and then was on it as I got older for contraception and never had any negative side effects from me it worked really really well but then seeing all these conversations coming out about how it's you know people there was almost the flip side of shaming in terms of like it's bad so bad to be on the pill and I felt very I felt very kind of shamed for it and then with the not quite there yet but in the next few years I would like to to hopefully uh, have the opportunity to have a have a baby so it's beginning to was beginning to think of that but what's interesting and I think what you know it's so important that that the piece was missing the education is I didn't know that the the bleed as you the, the did you call it the pharmaceutical bleed is that what it's yeah. called yeah I didn't and I know so many people um don't and didn't I, I still have the conversations with friends didn't realize that that wasn't a real like a real um period and that it was a pharmaceutical bleed I, I should have been told that I should have I didn't understand the, the what the the pill was doing to my body and whilst I didn't have any negative side effects and and now and I'm I'm very grateful that my periods came back like instantly and now and they're very sort of regular and and, and so it's seemingly sort of okay but I think that definitely was missing and also I was so scared of my real period like enough doing inverted commas here I was so afraid of um what would happen to my mood what would happen what would it mean if I wanted to go on holiday and I was bleeding and traveling and all of these things because I'd been conditioned to believe that it was so much safer to be on the pill and I have to say after a year now I feel so much more connected to my body. And I think using a menstrual cup has helped with that as well, or switching from tampons. I feel, and now riding the wave of my seasons and learning a bit more <laughs> about it. <laughs> I and, and, and learning more things about discharge and things, which again, conversations are happening. I feel so much more connected to my body than I ever have. And I think it's really important, but I, I think it is, I really want to talk about how it's important. Like for those people who, who are maybe, on 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 a contraception pill for or contraception for medical reasons like how do you think people can help with the shame or or, or not feel like othered by that because I was beginning to feel like that I okay that's uh, this is such a great point and I have actually been thinking about this recently because I whenever I pref when I have her, I have these conversations I always preface it with you know, the idea that I don't think that there's anything wrong with being on hormonal contraception, but, you know, it, you have to be, it's, you have to have had, um, I think it's important to have informed choice. And there is an episode of Sex in the City, and (laughs) I promise this is relevant. Charlotte (laughs) is talking about not working and doing some volunteering. And Miranda is kind of like, uh, really, you're going to give up working? And then she she says, well, if you're going to do it, you know, choose your choice, you know, be comfortable in your choice. And I think that was, I, that's always stuck with me. And I think if you make a decision, be confident in that decision and know that 
you made the best decision for you. So if you are on hormonal contraception, make sure you know what you're taking, know what you're putting in your body, know what um, what are the potential side effects so that if they do happen to you, you're aware and can deal with them. And then own your choice. You know, no one, ultimately it's your body and no one can tell you what to do with it. But this, it comes back to this idea of shame, period shame, contraceptive shaming. You, you allow, you can't allow people to shame you if you're confident in your choice. It's like, well, that's what I'm doing. It's working for me. None of your business. Mm, absolutely and I think is that that informed choice as you said not judging ourselves and most importantly I think for every everyone who is bleeding or using con- con- uh, contraception not to judge other people for their choices and I think mm. that is a really important piece which I think through some conversations I've been seeing on social media and things I think there was that beginning to other othering that was there and I think that's really really important in this conversation to let anyone do what works for them and, and just focus on you as always with with many things in life focus on your choices and not judging yeah. other people knowing that other people are doing that the best they can that for them in that moment with the information that they they have and I think if we can all practice that a little bit more it will really, really help. Before we come on to your last, uh, your last point, what are um, some of the most sort of common problems you see sort of clients come to with you? Is there is there sort of lots of common things, and what is it that you do in, in your work, and how you help them? Yeah, so I work with women who have problems with their periods, who have hormonal um, issues that they want to address. So it could be anything from heavy periods, missing periods, irregular periods, PCOS and all of the different types, endometriosis, adenomyosis. Um, I do work with some women who are trying to get pregnant, but it typically, they will come to me with something else and then, then that, it will, that will then be part of the conversation. Um, and then I work with women who are perimenopausal. So on the, the next on the next stage of their journey um, out of menstruation. Um, And my approach is very individual. So, you know, everybody's, everybody is different and there's no one size fits all. So it's really about working with people, understanding the whole picture of their health and then putting together a program. I typically work with my clients on a 12-week basis um, that works for them, but also works for their lifestyle, um, what they're willing to do now. Um, and then we just kind of it, 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 it incrementally grows as we go through the program and we add on as and when and the kind of foundation is really around habits so everything we do probably about 40 45 percent of what we do every day is based on habit so how can we change habits to help reach health goals so you know how a simple example is you find you're not drinking enough water how can you add that habit on. So if you find that you have a habit of every time, every hour you get up and you go to the kitchen, how can we connect 
that habit of going to the kitchen with drinking a glass of water. So simple changes like that, but it's those simple changes that can make a massive difference. So that's kind of what I, in a nutshell, what I do with my clients. Mm, uh, and I, I think it's so interesting to 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 acknowledge the hat and the power I showed with 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 the work that you do that it's those everyday habits that can have such a huge impact on um positive impact on our on our overall health and hormonal health and, and menstrual health I think that's that's really really interesting moving on to your last lesson that you wish you'd learned in school which I think is a really interesting one slightly different to hormones but I love asking everyone that did all of the everything that they wish they learned and that was money literacy what was that? Tell us a little bit about more about that. Okay, so I used to be really terrible with money. I so when we were growing up, my brother and I were my brother was always the saver, and I was always the spender. I would get money, and then it would just kind of drift away from me. You know, <laughs> money would appear, and then it would drift away from me, and I had this very loose idea attitude towards spending um in my when I met my husband he he and we were always quite open from the very beginning and he saw the way that I would spend money and he said you know Lenise the the credit limit on your credit card is not a target But I, I just <laughs> never, you know, I was always in my overdraft. I was always like, I wouldn't, I wasn't crazily in debt, but, you know, I had a loan that I was paying off and I had credit cards and it was just kind of, it all felt very laissez-faire. And I really wish that in school I had learned more about money literacy, like why it was important to save, how to save. Um, you know, my grandfather used to say to me, when you save now, it's young Lenise saving for old Lenise, but I never really connected that. Um, but now I get it. And really my husband is the one who, who taught me actually how to be more in control of my money. And, you know, I'm really grateful, grateful to him because now like I've almost gone the other way in terms of my money like I'm an incredible saver but I sometimes I don't want to spend money now um but that's you know that's something completely different but I really wish that in school I had been taught more about money literacy what were some of those things that that your husband had like what were some of those kind of light bulb moments because I think it's really interesting and again you're taught we're taught about in in maths we're taught about things that we don't really use now or lots of us don't or I try to and being yeah as I'm sure you relate to as a business owner trying to be like how do I do that division again <laughs> Things, yeah. but, but when it comes to money literacy like what were those things that your husband taught that would have been useful lessons uh well firstly he was he said you know you you've got to have an ISA you know and put you know when you pay your bills make sure you have everything on direct debit so they come out right when you get paid. Um, you know, everything is direct debit so that it just comes out right away when you get paid. So you don't have to do this kind of mad calculation every month. Um, and to be honest, I was really lucky because he 
he'd always been fantastic with money. And then he said to me, listen, I'm going to help you here. I'm going to pay, pay off some of your debts so you can start from a clean slate. I mean, that's just amazing. And that's just the kind of guy he is. He's a, like such a nice guy. I say really nice, not nice. I hate that word. Nice, kind. <laughs> He's a really kind guy. Um, and that helped me start on like start fresh. And then he said, you know, get rid of the credit card. And if then eventually I got another one, but he said, you get one that, you know, where the interest rate is favorable when you spend, you get points or something back. Um, but it was that thing about direct debits, you know, everything, paying everything off straight away when you get paid. Um, and so you don't have to think about it. That was huge for me because I just never really thought about it before. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like a, such a simple thing, but even the fact of doing it, as you said, right after you get paid, rather than at the end of the month when probably if you're someone that likes to spend, by then you probably don't have it and then you have that mad scrabble and then maybe use a credit card I think that is a really really practical but potentially transformative tip for that thank you thank you for sharing moving on to my sort of questions I like to ask everyone at the end what who was your favorite teacher and and why what was it about them um so I had this teacher for math Mr Cohn and he I had always had this mindset of me not being very good at math and I don't know where it came from but he always said to me you know I don't know why you say this you were you were fine at math and I was when I was in school I was in the kind of in the accelerated group the gifted group so I was with this in this class with people who were amazing at math they were just able to do math in their head and all these calculations and that wasn't my strength. I was more communication, English. That was where my my talent was. And he said to me, don't worry about those people. Focus on what you can do. Focus on you are fine at math. And, you know, stop saying that you're bad at math. And it took me a while to really absorb that lesson. But now I have to do math all the time in my in my work because you know it does does a lot testing for clients it does a lot involve a lot of figures and then also there's a finance side which you know figures and even now so my son is seven and he always wants us to do math with him mom mama give me a big math problem and so I'm having to kind of oh yeah I and do the math problems in my head and I realized actually I'm I am buying at math and it, it, I, it's just these things that they stick with you. And he said to me ages ago, you are fine at math. Stop saying that you're not, you're not good at math. And even that's such a lovely message to say, to try to think it, it, the wider message of like what you're telling yourself is, is impacting how you're kind of feeling about this and, and, and stop telling yourself these, these narratives. I think oh, what, a, what a lovely teacher to have. Yeah. What about school dinners? How did you have a favorite school dinner or what was it awful? What was what was that for you? So I didn't it's funny, I was before you sent me the question, I was actually thinking about this last week because I went to two high schools. 
So the first high school, there was a cafeteria, the CAF, as we call it. And I don't remember bringing my lunch or having lunch there. Like, I, I just, that's just completely blank in my mind. However, my, at my next school, because I went to boarding school for the last two years of high school, and I, I will remember always eating there and I can visualize the lining up and getting breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, and what my favorite, we would have taco night and I always liked that, like enchiladas and talk and the different tacos and the different toppings. Yeah, I always liked that. That sounds like you had some really interesting food, not like in the UK, the kind of high school or secondary school, like turkey Twizzlers, which is quite <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> renowned, renowned for that. Where can people find you to come and come and connect with you and uh, off the back of this conversation? So you can find me, my website is www.eatlovemove.com or on Instagram, it's at eatlovemove, Facebook, it's eat love move nutrition um or you can email me on hello at eat love move.com amazing well it's been such a pleasure talking to you and so fascinating i mean there's so many avenues i could talk to you for hours and hours i think about it but i think we'll leave it here and then to go and do our own research and learn and just accept ourselves be kind to ourselves and, and get to know ourselves a bit more in our cycles thank you so much Linise. thanks for having me If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure that you're subscribed and please do leave a rating and review because it really helps other people discover the podcast. Until next time, stay curious.